Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Roberts. And as always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Roberts. And here on the Maroon Friday edition of The Yard, I don't know how long we go today. Probably won't go the full 90 minutes. I got some things I got to do. Try to get out and enjoy the city of Knoxville uh, with the wife before we go cover uh, game two of the series between the Bulldogs and the Tennessee Volunteers. We'll recap our ball game. We'll look around the league, talk a little NFL draft. We won't do a top ten list today, uh, so we'll be back with that on, uh, on Monday. Just don't have time to get all that together. Kind of a late night, right? Went to the ball game, wanted to get out and enjoy the company of uh, my beautiful wife and so we did that and slept in this morning got up and wrote an article about hunter hines uh, he had a big fly last night uh, very disappointing in many respects uh, was the ball game last night was pleased with the fight but here's the deal there are no moral victories when it comes to mississippi state baseball at the end of the day we lost period and we can ill afford to lose those now we all felt like you know what coming up here you got to get a game and hopefully, too, we missed an opportunity to get one last night. Uh, and so here we are. Game two, Friday, 6.30 Central. You should be able to watch the game. Uh, but the reality of it is, is that uh, we're running out of opportunities. And this is something I think that we all felt from last weekend. When we dropped that series to Auburn, it really puts you in a bad spot considering who you have to play the amount of four weekends of the season. Uh, so we dropped the ball game last night. We'll try to find a way to get even today. Uh, really felt like last night was a good opportunity for us to win the ball game with Cade Smith on the hill. And uh, they were throwing Lindsey, a guy that was 0-2. You know, he's still 0-2 uh, as he was saddled with a no decision last night. But the reality of it is, is we let one get away. Now, we had opportunities, obviously, early in that ball game to break through. And we did, and the next thing you know, you look up, we're trailing 7-1. to one. So I give the Bulldogs some credit for fighting back, and I think Tennessee's mouth had a lot to do with that. Uh, we'll get to that a little bit later in the show. Uh, but, uh, you know, hey, I think if nothing else, we showed that we can play with these guys. And I know Tennessee hadn't had the year that many people anticipated them having, but that said, they got some dudes on this team. It's a very talented team. I'd venture to say it's a more talented team than Mississippi State. I don't think that's a hot take, especially on the mound. Uh, they got some real guys that can bring it. And we saw some of those guys last night, and State had some pretty good swings against them. So maybe that means something moving forward. Maybe we earned some confidence last night. Maybe shook them up a little bit, but also, too, gave our kids uh, some confidence. Uh, so we'll see how things go. I want to thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company, longtime sponsors of this show. I love Bulldog Burger Company. I know you do, too. Go by and check them out next time you're in town. Uh, I, listen, I'm a big proponent of the spring rolls. If you want to change that up a little bit, maybe get that pork belly and chorizo nachos. Really, really nice portion there. And as always, good seasoning, good taste, and a good price. That new Mississippi barbecue burger, it's absolutely outstanding absolutely outstanding be sure and check that out next time you come to town the great restaurant quality hamburger is one of the fine delicacies we offer ourselves in life and you can get that at three great locations university drive in star vegas gloucester street there in tupelo lake harbor drive in the ridge flowwood area uh, and again I, i'm proponent of the, the spring rolls but uh, i've become a huge advocate for dessert to go 
So maybe get that chocolate shake. I got Nutella last time. Nutella shake to go. Or maybe get that chipweed bread pudding and bring it with you. And uh, some live music coming up in Tupelo. Uh, be sure and be mindful of that. I'll remind you, I'll give you all the details again on Monday. But uh, live music becoming more of a thing uh, there at the Tupelo location of Bulldog Burger Company. I, I'm a proponent of live music too. Anytime you get a chance to go watch somebody perform, uh, it's a pretty cool thing. You can sing along too. I've been known to do that. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, let's break down this ball game. It really felt like in the beginning of the game that uh, we were prepared to play. That's how it felt. And I uh, told some people early on, I said, hey, if we get the same Cade Smith we got last week in game one, we're going to win this ball game." Well, unfortunately, we didn't. And that's not to be critical of Cade. It's just kind of the reality of the situation. Cade didn't have his best stuff. And uh, there was a part of me, I thought, you know what, hey, we may lose the whole series right here because of the fact that uh, if you have to pull Cade early, if he can't eat up some innings for you, well, then everybody else has to move up, and that limits their availability for the rest of the weekend. And uh, so give Cade some credit uh, for, you know, kind of battling through there even when he didn't have his best stuff and eating up some innings for us. All right, let's take a quick look back here. All right, so State leading off here. Dave Marchand is doing what many people hoped and expected he would do. Is he's taking over at shortstop and uh, doing a great job at the plate, working as your leadoff hitter. Uh, he gets a single back up the middle on a 2-1 count, and then still second. So you think, hey, we're already in a scoring situation with 2, 3, and 4 coming up. Surely we'll get we'll get a, get a run here. Well, that better than walks. A lengthy at bat there, but he walks. Now just runs the first and second. Hunter Hines walks after a lengthy bat. So bases are loaded here with nobody out here in the first. And you think, okay, we got to get something here. We got to get something. You can't go on the road against a team the caliber of Tennessee and load the bases in the first inning and come up with snake eyes. Well, fortunately, we don't. But we didn't get the inning we like we should have. Because here's the reality of it. Four more guys came to the plate, and nobody got a base hit. Uh, DJ hits a ground ball to short, and uh, it's wet out there. He just kind of loses the handle on it, so the run scores, and everybody's safe. So it's one nothing, and now you've got Clark, Alford, and Hancock coming up. You think, hey, give me a routine sack fly somewhere, ground ball to the right side, even a double play gets a run home. you got to get a crooked number. Well, we don't. Uh, Kellum strikes out swinging. Alford strikes out swinging. And then Hancock pops up to the shortstop on a 2-0 count. Uh, Luke had a big clutch hit later, but we certainly could have used one there. But nevertheless, we're up one nothing uh, after our first at bat. And we feel like, okay, all right, we're good. Cade will go out there and get us some, uh, get us some good, some good uh, outs here. Took us a while to get going. It did. Took Cade a little bit of a while to get going. I'm a huge Cade Smith fan. And uh, I know nobody feels worse about this than he does. But uh, Ahuna singles to right center, then goes to second on a wild pitch. Ensley singles to the left side. And then Dickey singles back up the middle. One thing that I'll tell you that's a little bit different about this turf than Vandy turf, the ball moves pretty quick on that Astro play turf. I thought because it was wet last night, it moved even quicker. And I thought that surprised us a little bit because there were a couple of those balls you feel like maybe we could have gotten to. But due to the – Number one, the bat speed, but also, too, the, the way the field was playing. Uh, those balls trickle on through into the outfield. Then it's another wild pitch. And so, 
You know, on Dickey's single, the run scores and a wild pitch allows everybody to move up and Ensley scores. Now it's 2-1. You walk Blake Burke, which isn't necessarily the worst thing, and you get more to strike out swinging. So you think, okay, maybe we can navigate through this here and uh, without any further damage. But uh, ground out to first, Luke's all over that, but the run scores, makes it 3-1. And then Zane Denton singles to right field and chases Burke in. So that walk does come back to hurt you. And then it's a pass ball. So we had trouble, uh, you know, pitching and catching it here a little bit here. We hadn't had those issues in a while. And I think some of it had to do with the weather. Ross did settle down after that. But in many respects, you know, damage is done. It's a 4-1 ball game. And I'll be honest with you, I was thinking even though I was on press row, there may be a lot of other places I'd rather be right now. We get Stark to ground out to third and get out of it. It's 4-1. And it just felt like it wasn't just the fact that it was 4-1. to one. It's how it became 4-1. to one. We didn't pitch it well. We didn't field it well. We didn't catch it well. And uh, give Tennessee credit for putting the ball in play, but a lot of these issues were self-inflicted. All right, top of second, Amani Larry grounds out to short. Heifel grounds out to second. Mershon, two for two, singles back up the middle. Doing a nice job for us. R- really is. Uh, Dave Mershon's going to be a star at Mississippi State. Uh, Led better than flies out in center field. So we get the two out base hit, but can't do anything with it. All right, bottom of second, we immediately come out there and walk the leadoff hitter, Scott. And that's a nine-hole hitter. It's, a, it's like the cardinal sin. You cannot walk the nine-hole hitter open an inning. Allows the opportunity for the top of the order to hit with the pitcher in the stretch. But we get a hooner to fly out. Scott then goes to second on a wild pitch. Ensley grounds out to the pitcher. Scott takes third, and then we get Dickey to line out the short. Nice play by Marshawn right there. So we do give up the walk to open the inning, but uh, are able to navigate through that without any more runs scored. And really, Cade really calmed down from here. Thought he really settled in. And, and, and you look back and think, man, wish we had that first inning back. If we'd had the Cade Smith we had here in these next couple innings, might be a different ball game. All right, top of third, Hines strikes out looking. Jordan then doubles to left center. That ball was absolutely hammered 114 miles per hour off the bat. Clark fouls out outside of third for a while. I thought that ball was going to push him to the stands. The wind kind of kept it in play. And then offered grounds out to short. So we don't do anything with the one-out double there. And in a 3-1 ball game, those are the kind of things that really get you. you got to be able to find a way to push those runs across. All right, bottom of third, we get a foul out to left. Uh, Burke, it, it, we did a pretty good job against Burke for the most part. Then we walk more. Dryling flies out to left. Denton singles through the right side. And then we walk Stark to load the bases. But we're able to get Scott strike out swinging. So, again, traffic on the bases here and a couple walks in the inning. Uh, I did think we got squeezed a little bit. Both teams, really. I thought the zone was a little bit of a moving target for both teams much of the night. Our right, top of the fourth, Hancock grounds out the second. Larry singles through the left side. Really nice at bat here for Armani, too. He gets down 0-2, and he kind of works it into a manageable account where he can get a pitch he can hammer, and he does. He pulls that ball through the left side and then goes to second on a wild pitch. So it's not just us, even though it's happening with greater frequency with us. It's not just us. The problem is we couldn't get the big hit to get this run in like Tennessee did. Heifel grounds out the second. Larry moves over to third, and then Rashawn hits the ball really well, but it's a fly out to left field. But nice. Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. 
Fortunately, you can turn to NerdWallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year. Managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup. Putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. That's right, the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, and we'd go up there, and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tacovas boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Had another one of those little singles back up the middle, wouldn't it? All right, bottom four, best inning for Cade. He gets a hooner to strike out swinging. Inslee flies out the center. Dickey then singles to, to right center, and we get Burke to pop up the second. Uh, so, again, the two-out single there, but we're able to, to pitch around that. 
top of five. We're just kind of listing along here. Ledbetter grounds out to second. Hines flies out to center. And Jordan grounds out to third. You know, those guys hitting two, three, four, they've got to be able to carry us a little bit. And, and here's the thing, too. If, if you can't hit elite SEC pitching, you really can't hit. That's just the reality of the, of the situation there. I know a lot of guys in high school that can hit non-district pitching. When they get in the district, they disappear on you. We need our stars to shine the brightest on the biggest stage. All right, bottom of five, we bring in Tyson Harden. And this this move was one I kind of questioned at the time. Many of you did as well. Probably should have asked Lamontis about it postgame. And it's not, you know, Tyson Harden just is not quite ready yet. And you think this game, the lead in this is not insurmountable. It's just a 4-1 ball game. And I understand we're trying to eat up some innings here. Uh, but I think when the game is still in doubt, maybe, maybe you ride with somebody else. And I understand our options are somewhat limited. And you don't want to throw your better arms in a game where you're trailing. I understand that. But I did think Harden being the first guy to pin, I, I kind of questioned it a little bit. And, again, I think he's a great kid. He's working hard. They've changed his arm slot a little bit. they got him working on the sinker. And he comes out and does a really good job here and gets Christian Moore to strike out swinging. And then we walk Dryling. And we get a, a fly out to Denton. And so, automatically, you, you, you're one pitch away from getting out of this thing. Yes, you've had the walk. However, you got a couple of uh, you know, non-competitive, non-productive outs here. And then start doubles to left field, which sends the runner to third. DJ's on that ball really quick, too. If DJ, if it's not DJ out there, if there's some other guys out there, the run's going to score. But DJ gives us a chance here. And then Scott singles through the left side. And then DJ overruns it or loses the handle on it. And so two runs score on the play. It's now 6-1. And then Ahuna doubles to right. It's 7-1. And here we all feel like the ball game was over. I did. You did. Tennessee did. The good thing is our players didn't. And uh, we got a little bit of a wake-up call later in this ball game. But at 7-1, I thought, hey, this game is in hand. We're all with we're, th- we're in the middle innings. We're probably not going to throw a quality arm the rest of the way. All due respect to everybody on the roster. But the reality of it is, is I think we all felt like, you know what, we just need to manage through this game and try to win another one. We get in, we to foul out the first. So three runs, three hits, one error, and one left on base in the inning. But it really felt like the ball game was over. All right, top of six, uh, Callum Clark with an icy bat here, singles to center field, and then still second. And then Slate Offord hammers the ball to left field. And initially they uh, they played as if it was off the wall. It was off the uh, metal out there beyond the left field fence. So it's a two-run shot for Slate. Makes it a 7-3 game. So we're almost back to where we were. Before we were down three, now we're down four. But you feel like, hey, it's still within striking distance. You know, maybe you're not going to win this ball game, but it's not one of those games you look at and say, hey, this thing is over. Nobody's going to give up down four runs in a six, nor should they. Hancock then singles to center field. Larry reaches on a fielder's choice as they force Hancock at second. And then Larry's still second. Heifel grounds out to third. They bring in Connell, who is a big, robust guy that's really known for the changeup. He gets Mershon to strike out swinging the first time, really, of the ball game. Marshawn hadn't put solid contact, and it was still a lengthy at bat. So four quality at bats at this point, I think, for David Marshawn. Even though you had the big fly out, he turned that ball around. All right, seven three ball game. State's still winning. We bring in Tyler Davis here, and I've been down on Tyler Davis much of the year because he was a guy we expected to even challenge for a weekend starting position, and uh, he hadn't even been able to been a quality long reliever for us. But 
his best outing, I think, in the uniform. And again, I've been down on him, but I got to give him credit. I thought he pitched really well. And so he comes in at the bottom of six. He gets Dickey to strike out swinging, gets Burke to ground out the short. Then, then there's a two-out walk, and we know what those are. Those are satanic. And that's a lengthy at-bat to Moore. And uh, they pinch hit for Dryling and bring in Merritt, who factored in later, and he flies out to right. So nice, clean inning for the most part here for Tower Davis in the sixth. All right, top of seven. State gets some things going here. And, um, you know, Connell's out there, and Ledbetter absolutely ropes that ball over the right field wall. Colton has kind of been up and down, but he's had some quality at bats even during this stretch where he hadn't carried the team. But a nice home run there, seven to four. They go ahead and make a pitching change and brings in, bring in Combs, uh, kind of an unorthodox pitching delivery from him. And uh, he was a guy, too, kind of in the middle of some stuff. And we'll get to that a little bit later. Uh, he gets Hunter Hines to strike out swinging. Jordan flies out the center. And uh, this is when things got a little chippy. I mean, it's a 7-4 to four ball game. It's not like it's, you know, 10-1 or something like that. The pitcher said something. And so DJ said something back. And then the, the – Tennessee catcher had something to say, and then, you know, Lamonis comes out, and officials get involved, and the cooler heads prevail. But this was really where I thought the game turned. I really do. We've hit the home run. We're within striking distance. But I thought they really pissed us off here. I think Tennessee kind of reverted back to being Tennessee. And maybe for a brief moment there, Mississippi State became Mississippi State again. And then pitch inside to Clark nearly hits him. The second one does. And I'm sure that was all accident and weather. I'm sure, I'm sure it was. I'm sure it's what everybody said. I just find it a little bit inter- interesting that right after we have words, the next guy gets plunked. Especially when you're the guy running your mouth, right? Well, then he, Slate Offered works a nice and bad here. Uh, we get down 0-1. We work the count full. We foul the ball back, and then we get a ball down, which moves uh, Clark to second. And then Hancock doubles to right center. Absolutely hammered this baseball. And, and maybe you missed it. The center fielder from Tennessee tried to throw his threw his hands up as if to say, you know, the ball was under defense or something. That's a Bush League play. Nobody fell for it. Both runs score. Because if it had been ruled a ground rule double, the ball uh, would have been obstructed by the fence there, then Alford would have had to stop a third. Instead, nobody falls for that. And now it's 7-6. to six. So now all of a sudden the tide runs on base with two outs here. Uh, they bring in Chase Burns in place of Combs, and then he gets Imani Larry to strike out swinging. I thought Imani was just a little bit behind everything here. And Chase Burns is a dude. Don't get me wrong. That guy can really pitch. Uh, he's a guy that's hit 100 before. Big, 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 big velocity arm. But now we're back in the ballgame. You're thinking, hey, we're one swing away, and we're going to get the top of the order up before the game's back over. And then Tyler Davis goes out there and probably gets you the best ending of his Bulldog career so far. You get Denton to foul out the third, Stark strikes out swinging, and then Scott flies out center field. So pretty efficient inning other than the elongated at bat with Stark. And all of a sudden, it's like Tyler Davis has given us a hold. Tyler Davis has come in and kept the game in place. And he did a great job there. All right, top of eight, we hit, we pinch hit Bryce Chance for high fill. I, I know you want to get Bryce in the game. I just think it's a tough order to come in there and ask him, hey, you've been on the bench, and uh, hey, here's 99. Go hit it. I thought he was a little bit overmatched there. 
And uh, especially, it'd be one thing if he'd been in the flow of the ball game. It's tough to grab a bat after being cold and then go out there and face a guy like Chase Burns, who's ultra-talented. Uh, Mershon then flies out the right field. Another ball that was hit exceptionally well here. And I, I referenced that in my article about Hunter Hines for a couple things, okay? A couple reasons why. Dave Mershon is, is a small kid. I mean, he is. And he probably wouldn't like me saying that, but I think he knows the reality of his height. He's not a guy that spent a lot of time in a weight room. He's only going to get stronger. I don't know how much bigger he's going to get, but he's going to get stronger. And he turns around a 97-mile-an-hour fastball right here. He gets down 0-2 in the count, takes a couple sliders, and then he gets a 97-mile-per-hour fastball, and he hammered this baseball as much as he can. The problem was he rifled it right to the right fielder. I mean, that ball's 10 feet either way. It's extra bases. Now, granted, there are two outs in the inning, but I thought that swing maybe gave us some confidence because you see Amani strikes out swinging, Chance strikes out swinging. They're not bums, right? As, you know, Amani's played a lot of baseball. And so maybe you start thinking, hey, we're not going to be able to touch this guy. And then Rashawn goes up there and just barrels one up. He doesn't have anything to show for it, but that's, that's kind of part of the game of baseball. And I think it sends a message to our dugout that, hey, we can hit this dude. We can hit this guy. We didn't get a lot of hits on him, but we did. Ledbetter then fouls out the third to end the inning. But I really felt like, hey, going to the ninth with who we have coming up, if they bring Burns back out there, maybe we got a shot, turn one around. All right, so we make some changes here. Downs goes to first. Hancock moves to catcher. And uh, Tyler Davis, hanging in here, strikeout looking of a Huna, gets Inslee to fly out. So now all of a sudden it's two outs. I mean, my goodness, you start looking at this stretcher that Tyler Davis has put together, you start thinking, where's this guy been? Dickey then singles through the left side, and then Burke walks. And uh, we made the right move here. Curtis, Chris Simonis and Scott Fox all have been criticized, and you, you may agree with me that the, the, the call to Tyson Harding was probably a little bit questionable. This was absolutely the right decision. You bring in Casey Hunt, and he gets more to strike out swinging. Pretty efficient, too. Casey kind of did whatever he wanted to do. You had to hold the game in place there. You had to give yourself a chance in the ninth and not allow any more runs. So all of a sudden, you look up here, and State strung together some zeros here on the scoreboard and giving themselves a chance. Hines comes up, takes a slider down and low. Down and away, excuse me. Everything down is low. Uh, and then he, they, he challenged him with a fastball, and Hunter was ready and crushed that baseball. And we all knew off the bat that ball was gone. I tweeted it out, too. I said, it's, you know, it's about to get sexy here in the ninth. It's good on good, right? I mean, it's, that's the way that I always look at baseball. It's like if coming up in the ninth inning, you know, I want my best arms on the mound, and I want my best hitters at the plate. So we have arguably their most talented pitcher, at least from a physical skill standpoint, throwing against three guys that are strong enough and have a good enough bat speed to turn that ball around. They're not going to be intimidated. They're going to be ready to go. And what does Hunter do? He hits that home run, and they were shocked. I mean, the, the few Hunter people that were there were shocked. A handful of Bulldogs there were pretty pleased. And now I'm thinking, honestly, I'm thinking, hey, we might go, we might be able to get another home run this inning. Yeah, you, you got. DJ Kellum and Slate up there. And Slate's already hit one. Kellum's rifled a couple balls. DJ's hit one really good at 114 mile an hour double. And so you start thinking, 
if this guy throws a fastball or the wrong guy here, we could take a lead here. But instead, Jordan pops up to short. Kellum strikes out looking, and Slade struck out looking. And you hate that. You do. You hate that. You really do. But nevertheless, we're tied. How much better would we all felt with a lead? We come all the way back there. Bottom of nine, uh, Merritt comes in and uh, home run. He takes the ball low. The very next pitch, he hits over the batter's eye, and we lose in a walk-off. And it stinks. It really does. And I can sit here and tell you, you know what, hey, we didn't quit, and we didn't. I can tell you we had opportunities in this ball game to take a lead, and we did. But the bottom line is that's all details and the fact that we lost. And again, we're running out, we're running out of games. And when you have a game like this where you have a chance, especially when you battle back the way we did, you know, after the fifth, you know, we outscore them the rest of the way. The problem is we dug ourselves too big a hole. And really, again, you go back to that first inning, we were chasing the game all night, and then we finally, finally break through. And catch up, and you feel like, hey, maybe this is it. Turns out that it wasn't. All right, let's look at the numbers here before we get ready to move on here. Look at our box score. Casey Hunt saddled with the loss. Now, one and two on the year. Chase Burns, despite the fact that he blew the save, is credited with the win. It's funny how baseball works sometimes, but that's how it is. All right. Uh, Dave Marchand, two for five in the ball game, and again, I thought he had a quality of bat, just about every bat, uh, plate appearance there. Colton Ledbetter, one for four in the ball game with a walk, but also the big solo home run there to get a score in the seventh. Hunter Hines, one for four with the solo home run there in the ninth. Dakota Jordan, one for five, the big double. Uh, we didn't do anything with that, but um, that's what we got going there. Uh, Kellum Clark, one for four in the ball game, and he was plonked. Uh, Slade offered one for four with a two-run home run and also walked. Nate Chester came in the game late, did not, did not have a plate appearance. Luke Hancock, two for four in the ball game with a couple of RBIs. Big, 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 big clutch hit there. Left, a, left three on base, though. Monty Larry, one for four. Ross Highfield, 0 for three. Bryce Chance, 0 for one. Uh, look at your pitching numbers here. Uh, Cade, not the Cade Smith we've seen for the last month. Not and you, and you it, that's just kind of how it is. At some point, everybody has one, but uh, that first inning trouble really kind of plagued us. I mean, four wild pitches, three of those in the first inning, four walks. That's not really Cade's game. Maybe it was the weather. Maybe it's just Tennessee. I don't know. But uh, not a great start for Cade. Four innings pitch, six hits, four runs, four walks, three Ks, and uh, four wild pitches. Uh, threw eighty-seven pitches in just four innings. Tyson Harden comes in, gives you an inning, three hits, three runs, two errors, excuse me, two earned runs, a, a walk, a strikeout, face seven batters, 22 pitches. Uh, but again, it's, you know, that's the thing too, right? It says that, that the game was lost then. No, the game was lost, guys, in the ninth inning. That's when the game was lost. As bad as Cade's start was, and it could have been much worse, right? I'm not going to sit here and just talk about, you know, Cade went out there and stunk up the park. He didn't. He didn't have his best stuff. But he battled to stay in a ball game. But you give a, a four spot and you're chasing the game, the whole ball game, it's tough. But we overcame that. Tyson Harding did not have a good outing. Now it's 7-1. But we overcame that. See, that's the thing. And so you can go back in hindsight and say, well, if this hadn't happened and this hadn't happened, here's the deal. 
we get to the ninth inning, we have tied the game. Period. We've tied the game. As bad as things have gone, we didn't get great starting pitching. The first guy to bullpen didn't give us a great outing. We've overcome that. And Tower Davis goes two and two-thirds of an inning, allowed one hit, two walks, three Ks, uh, faced 11 hitters, got four flyouts and a ground out, and just 43 pitches. So I assume we maybe could bring him back if we need to on Saturday. And then Casey Hunt uh, only threw six pitches. Casey gets a strikeout, gives up a tank. So Casey's not burned by any stretch. But the reality of it is is that uh, you know, it's a ball game that got away from us, and we came back and had a chance to make it a game. And it's incredible what happens when you throw strikes and play good, clean defense, right? Incredible what happens. But, again, we're running, out, we're running out of opportunities. Absolutely running out of opportunities. I think we all see that. We all know that. We don't need somebody to explain it to us. All right, let's remind you, too, that uh, Close with Blair, closewithblair.com. That's the answer to all your mortgage needs right there. Many of you maybe are in a bad mortgage. Maybe perhaps you're in a uh, you know, 327 arm. I don't know. Maybe you need to get some cash out. Maybe you want to consolidate some debt. Maybe you just need to buy a home. Maybe this is your first time. And the process can be intimidating. It really can be. I've bought three houses in my life, and I can tell you, I don't look forward to ever buying another one. I don't. It is a very laborious process. And it pays to have somebody like Blair Chandler working for you. 22 years of experience in the industry. Back to back to back. Top 1% close ratio in the country. Why would you ever entrust your mortgage to anybody else? Call Blair today at 601-500-2344. 601-500-2344. And tell Blair you heard about him on the boneyard. He's going to pay for your appraisal. It's about a $500 value. How cool is that? A lot of people want your business. Blair's willing to prove it. And here's the thing, too. You benefit from that, too, from really... You know, I would hate to call it a stress-free process, but when you've got a guy that's got that kind of experience... He knows. He knows how to get you to the closing table. Again, that's closewithblair.com. Next segment of the show is always brought to you by Campus Bookmart. Campus Bookmart, a Stark building and institution. I love Campus Bookmart. I spend a lot of money there. When I need Mississippi State merchandise, there's one place I go, and it's Campus Bookmart. It's not just because of the great selection, the good pricing. It's the service. I like doing business with Bulldogs, and that's what you're going to do at Campus Bookmart. A lot of people out there are trying to sell you Mississippi State merchandise. You never know where that money's going to go. You know, good chance that you buy the Campus Bookmart. That money's going to go back to the university in some respect, whether it be uh, them buying tickets themselves or them buying merchandise. These are Bulldogs. If you can't visit them in person, you can courtesy of Al Gore's Internet by going to campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays, and that is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That'll get you free shipping on all orders over 75 bucks. Any order less than 75 bones, absolutely incomplete. That's campusbookmart.net. All right, uh, let's take a, a quick look around the league. Uh, Arkansas at A&M, kind of a wild game last night. A&M playing better baseball. I think we all see that. And they'll be here for the regular season finale at Duty Noble Field. But uh, interesting ball game. Arkansas gets up 5 nothing in the ball game. And you think, hey, this, this thing is going to go, you know, it's going to end early. But instead, A&M scores four in the top of four to make it a 5-4 game. They tied in the fifth. It remained tied until the eighth. 
And then Arkansas, with a big two-run bomb late, gets a 7-5 lead. They close it out in the night. But 10 hits for the Aggie offense, 9 for the uh, Razorbacks. I think Arkansas is a little bit, you know, we talk about heavy as the head. They're 12-7 in the league and 31-11 overall. Ranked 7th in the country. I think some of that's because there's so much parity, not just in the league, but in the country. But a big win for Texas A&M is they continue their quest to be a top eight national seed. I think it's going to be close. I really do. Arkansas, a great job by Dave Van Horn this year. I think we all see that. And that's really the case. As long as Dave is there, Arkansas is going to be tough. They just are. That's just kind of how life works. All right, so your Bulldogs tonight will get going at uh, 6.30 Eastern. I guess that's 5.30 Central. I think I put that wrong in my article. Anytime that I have to leave the Central time zone, I'm just a different person. I even got to the ballpark much earlier. I get there, I'm thinking, well, why isn't the team on the field? Why aren't we warming up? Well, well, got an hour to go, Steve. All right, so we'll try to even a series against Tennessee tonight. Uh, Arkansas will look to take the series from Texas A&M uh, that's going to be on ESPNU. So if you're looking you know, to flip back and forth, you can do that. Alabama will begin their three-game set at LSU. Alabama has played better as of late. You guys know they uh, swept Missouri. And I don't know if we can give them too much credit for that, but they, they've taken care of business. Kentucky is at Vanderbilt. Now, Kentucky now ranked 15th in the country, just kind of hanging in there. Vanderbilt looking to rebound after getting swept last weekend right up here in Knoxville. That's the number 15 team in the country against number five. Uh, Kentucky, you know, three wins away, I think, from clinching an NCAA regional at large bid. If they could get a win or two this weekend, perhaps they'd get into the hosting discussion. But uh, Vanderbilt, obviously a very talented team that didn't play well last weekend. So we'll see how things progress. Missouri at Florida. You like Florida's chances to sweep here, especially being at home. If they were playing in Columbia, I would, I would pick Columbia – or pick the Tigers to take a game. I'm not going to do that. I think Florida, after last weekend, will probably uh, have some renewed sense of purpose. Auburn's at South Carolina. Of course, Auburn drops a midweek game at Troy earlier this week. South Carolina might be the best team in the country. And you said, but Steve, why are they third? Well, you know, I honestly believe, had LSU and South Carolina played game three, I think South Carolina have taken the series. And, of course, that's just conjecture on my part. But I like South Carolina to take this series. I think they may even sweep. And we'll see. Auburn, you know, kind of pieced it together last weekend. But let's be honest. Auburn won that series because of Mississippi State's inability to execute at times. Georgia, of course, at Ole Miss. The big news out of Oxford is Hunter Elliott. Hunter Elliott not going to make his start in rotation this weekend. Uh, yeah, there was a lot of discussion after he went uh, down after the Delaware game, but he should probably go ahead and have the surgery. He's not draft eligible this year. That would have given him the opportunity to go ahead and have the surgery and begin to rehab. They elect not to do that. And now a uh, statement yesterday by Mike Bianco, I'm not sure who gathered the statement, but uh, it was all over social media that he is going to miss uh, his start and then be reevaluated by his doctors early next week which tells me, again, that he's not right. I mean, I mean, you don't have to be an orthopedic surgeon to understand that. Things are not right with this kid, and uh, we don't wish ill will on anybody, uh, especially pitcher. Uh, that's the thing, because the recovery time when you have arm trouble is very extensive. It's not like tweaking a hamstring or pulling a muscle. You know, when, when pitchers get hurt, they're usually out for a while, a month or more. 
and Hunter has been out since the uh, opening series against Delaware. And then pitched last weekend against LSU. Did not have a good outing. And now he's had some uh, some issues since then. So we wish him the best. Uh, I like Georgia to take this series. And, and listen, that, that's not, you know, brain surgery. You know, Georgia is going to be able to pitch it. And there's not a lot of length in this Ole Miss lineup. And so I think if they can navigate through those first four hitters more times than not, they're going to win the series and feel pretty good about life. And so I like Georgia two games to one. So here are your winners this weekend. Uh, I picked Tennessee to take it two games to one. I think Arkansas, of course, wins the series at probably two games to one. LSU will take the series from Alabama bar and something totally unforeseen. Even though I do like some of the hitters in this Alabama lineup, they're old, they're veteran, they'll probably get a game. Uh, LSU game three pitching has been a bit of an adventure. I think Vanderbilt at home. Uh, two games to one. Florida probably will sweep. South Carolina should take the series from Auburn and potentially sweep. And then Georgia, I like them in a road win over Ole Miss. So all the home teams I expect to take the series with the exception of Georgia. I think this Ole Miss team is just in such disarray right now. And the, the fact they're kind of catching Georgia at a bad time uh, is probably a harbinger of some bad things to come. Now, of course, the remaining series, Missouri, Alabama, and Auburn, you know, those are winnable. There's at least toss-ups for Ole Miss. But you begin to start thinking about this. You know, you're already 3-15. and 15. You lose this series. You know, you're guaranteed to have a losing record. If you get swept this weekend, I mean, it is absolutely over for Ole Miss. There's no way Ole Miss gets in at 12-18. and 18. I just don't see it. I just don't I – don't, I don't see a path uh, to the regional. But, uh, you know, back to our stuff. We've got to find a way to get a game. We have to get a game. We, we need to get two games, but the chances that it happen, I think, are pretty slim. But, uh, again, it should be a wild weekend of SEC baseball, but uh, at the end of the day, I think you're going to see most of the home teams kind of hold serve here, and then we'll kind of move forward and kind of advance from there. Uh, the Bulldogs got to figure some things out. We absolutely do have to figure some things out. And, uh, again, you, you can draw some – Confidence, I guess, in the fact that we swang it as well as we did against the Tennessee staff. It's been very talented. And, and in fact, their relief pitching has been better uh, than their starting pitching. Now, tonight, they're going to throw Chase Dallander, who was outstanding last year. And he's been fairly mediocre this year. Dallander is 5-4 uh, and four on the year with a 3.81 ERA. Uh, he leads the staff with 54 and a third innings pitched. Uh, opponents are hitting just 221 against him. But he's had five hit-by-pitches. Uh, the strikeout numbers are still ridiculous, 80 to uh, 19. So, you know, we're talking four to one there. But the reality of it is this is a guy that's going to be around the plate. You know, you've got to be disciplined here and be able to pick up spin, not chase balls out of the zone. This is where I think you know, Dakota Jordan could really factor in here too. You know, DJ's a guy that uh, if he can lay off the slider with Islander, you got a chance maybe to do a little damage here. And the fact that we, we kind of got in the bullpen a little bit last night and made them use some arms that perhaps uh, maybe they didn't want to, right? You know, Aaron Combs comes in for them, and, um, you know, he's got 16 appearances on the year, and he's 3-0 and with a 2.30 ERA, and State knocked him around the yard last night. You know, Kirby Connell's a guy that's got 24 appearances. You know, he's a guy that's probably only good for a couple of hitters a ball game. Uh, but you got to him, too, and Ledbetter took him over the fence. And so I, I think maybe State served notice a little bit to this Tennessee bullpen that uh, we're not going to go quietly into the Knoxville night. And so we've got to find a way to get to Dylander earlier and get into that pen. 
But I think we can do some damage against Dollinger. What what concerns me is, you know, what do we do against their offense? Now, I talked to Chris Amonis last night post game. Only media person here on the Mississippi State side. Uh, Landon Garman did make the trip. He is available. And I do get the sense that if he feels good today, that he will get the start. And you know how competitive he is. You know he wants the ball. We didn't use Colby Holcomb last night. So in the event that maybe Gartman can go, or perhaps maybe the first time through the order, if Gartman's not feeling right, we can turn it over to Holcomb, who has been really good as of late. So that's kind of where we stand with that. So you've got some options, and I think things really set up well uh, for the Bulldogs if we can get a quality start today. You know, my concern with Gartman is the same it's been all year. You know, he's, the fastball is just dynam- not dynamic enough to get through the order the second time because what happens is people just start sitting soft. They start sitting soft. And this is a Tennessee team that is a, uh, you know, a launch angle type team. And if they're sitting soft, they're going to have a chance to hit some home runs. And Gartman, of course, is a guy that's given up some long balls this year. So it may not be the best matchup. That said, this Tennessee team is pretty free swinging. So if Gartman is on his game, I think he has a chance to do some things that are interesting. Now, what worries me a little bit about Holcomb is there are times when Holcomb doesn't get a call and he ends up kind of overthrowing the ball and, and throwing basically center cut fastball, just trying to throw it by somebody. And uh, SEC hitters are just going to be prepared for that, especially this group of Tennessee, maybe LSU, right? Uh, you, you saw it against uh, South Carolina. We, we thought we had a call against Colt Messina. We didn't get it. It was an absolute joke. And then he hits a home run to, to basically give them separation in a, a ball game that I still feel like Mississippi State should have won. Lamonis ends up being ejected uh, from the ball game. And then last weekend, we're at Auburn, 0-2 count. We throw strike three. Trackman confirms it in postgame. We don't get a call. And then what do we do? We kind of challenge with a fastball, and McMurray hits a home run. Ended up being a difference. It really did. Yeah. And that's what I think Holcomb's got to do is we got to stay within ourselves here and not get frustrated and aggravated with the home plate umpire. we got to execute the game plan and kind of stay on what we're doing. And then you start thinking about tomorrow with Gerangelo. But, um, you know, I I think we're okay. You know, of course, our objective is we got to get a minimum of one. In order for us to get two, we're going to have to have somebody step up in that bullpen and eat up some innings and post zeros on the board to give us a chance. Uh, I do think this Tennessee pitching staff can be had. I, I think they're a team that's kind of filled with bravado, and I think that spills over to the pitching staff. I think they want to be able to throw the fastball by you, and State has, in my estimation, some elite fastball hitters. And when you start navigating through uh, Ledbetter, Hines, Jordan, Kellum Clark, Slate Offord, that group there together, uh, there's just some guys that can turn a fastball around. Those guys look like SEC baseball players, right? I mean, there's, you know, sometimes you have a guy from your high school and you think, oh, you know, we well, hit 500, and they just don't have the physical ability to go up there and turn around a 95-mile-per-hour fastball. We have some guys that do. And all of a sudden, if Tennessee starts getting reliant on the fastball, I think that we're a team that can make them pay for that. But the reality of it is we got to play clean. And it all boils down to pitching. I think offensively, we are a good matchup for Tennessee. I think we can compete against their pitchers. The problem is, is we just can't get too big of a hole and dig ourselves into some adversity and not be able to bounce back. And last night we did, but we still weren't able to close out the deal. Aaron Nixon, of course, is still available. Speaking of closers, saw him walking around yesterday. Uh, Bradley Lofton, 
Don't, I don't expect him to pitch this weekend. I don't know the full expanses of what's going on with him, but he has had some arm trouble here as of late. But, um, you know, we've we got to figure it out. you got to piece this thing together. And, again, I think Tyler Davis, if you end up finding a way to win this series, you know, it's going to be because of the strength of uh, a strong bullpen performance, right? And I think when you go back and look at what Tyler Davis did yesterday, you know, a guy that hadn't pitched much on the weekends here as of late, but it goes out there and eats up some innings and holds the game in place and gives you a chance, it also saves some arms for later in the weekend. Uh, so we'll kind of see how things progress with every bit of that. But I'm looking forward to getting back to the ballpark. You know, we'll finish up here with the show. Uh, we'll head and go get something to eat. And then we'll go out there and hopefully see uh, Mississippi State win a ball game. Now, many of you are worried about the weather. Now, we'll tell you the rain has been a little bit heavier today. But, you know, the, the surface there is all turf, Right. And so as long as there's not lightning or torrential downpour, we're going to play. And it does appear that uh, the rain today will be leaving the area around game time. Now, I say that uh, there is a chance of rain during the game, but it's not, you know, not significant. You know, it's 30 to 40 percent chance, but uh, it is supposed to rain uh, throughout the afternoon, and then clear out around 4 o'clock local time, which will be 3 p.m. Mississippi State time, and then right around 6 to 7, we're supposed to get a little more rain, but the chances of that are less than 50%, and then it's, it clears out beyond that. So we should be able to uh, you know, to get the game in. That's one thing, too. Like, again, I tell you, the uh, – you know, the 10-day forecast app is the worst. Uh, yesterday, everybody's telling me, oh, there's, there's going to be a, you know, it's going to be a frog choker tomorrow, you know, and it, it, it never rained hard here in Knoxville the entire day. It was just kind of a light, intermittent rain. I think when we got to the field, maybe it rained steady for maybe five minutes, and that's it. So don't look at your weather app and say, hey, here's what's going to happen. We got boots on the ground up here, and I can tell you, like today, this morning, we have had uh, some rain, but uh, the rain is stopping, and it's supposed to be kind of like it was yesterday the rest of the afternoon. And so we'll see. So I wouldn't rule out a delay this evening, but we should get the ball game in without a lot of uh, you know anxiety or trepidation. So uh, we'll look forward to that. And it looks like most of the uh, heavier rain is training north of us. So... You know, that, that's a good thing. And then Saturday's forecast is great. Low at 50 and high in 75 and uh, should be a partly sunny uh, sky. So, uh, again, you may push the game back a little bit or you may have a delay this evening, but the reality of it is we, we will get a ball game in tonight barring something unforeseen and we'll be able to play tomorrow. There were some people earlier this week didn't think we'd be able to play at all. Again, the 10-day weather app is the ruin of modern-day society. It really is. Uh, there are a lot of people, I have friends that came to the game and said, hey, with some other friends that didn't make it, they were worried about the weather. Well, stop looking at your app. I mean, honestly, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, but, again, we'll kind of push forward and get ready to go uh, here in a little bit. But uh, enjoying the time up here with the wife. And if you are on the fence about coming to the ball game tomorrow, I'd encourage you to come. It's always a great thing to be able to support the Bulldogs when they're on the road. I think that's an important aspect of fandom. It's not just going to Dirty Noble Field. Your team needs you all the time. And uh, that's one of the reasons we get out and cover as much as we do. Uh, we have provided unprecedented baseball coverage of Mississippi State over the last uh, several years. And uh, you can count on one hand how many games that I've missed in the last four years. 
and uh, Dave Murray's picked me up in some games that I've missed. And so, I w- again, I will not be there for the A&M series, which could be a huge one for us. But, uh, you know, if I live to May 15th, Dan and I will be married 30 years. And so we're going to go take a great trip together and uh, just enjoy being married. And uh, she loves Mississippi State baseball as much as all of you do, if not more so. And I can promise you, even though that we will not be in Starkville, we'll be keeping up with baseball. She won't have it any other way. And that's kind of how I feel, too. We'll probably be at dinner with uh, the game upon our phones. But the reality of it is is that uh, there's some big games left to play. We've got to find a way to win them. All right, final segment of the show brought to you by Portico. Uh, Portico, obviously, a great place to live. I've told you guys before, if you're moving to Starkville or contemplating making the move, look no further than Portico. Very easy to find. Turn off 82 on a 12 like going to campus. Very first right is Pat Station Road. You go to the four-way stop, and there's Portico, right there on the right-hand side, 1.1 miles away from the Mississippi State campus. How cool is that? Easy to find, easy to get to, and Brooks is going to make it easy to buy. Call Brooks at 601-416-8075. Again, that's 601-416-8075. You can start with a two-bedroom, two-bath home, go all the way up to a four-bedroom, four-bath home, and really anything in between. If you need a custom build, they can accommodate you. And maybe you want to go through the whole process. Maybe you want to pick out your lot, pick out your housing plans, have some say in how things go. They can take care of that for you too. Again, phase one's completely sold out. Phase two, under development. Most of those homes are sold, but there are some available. And then, of course, the lots. You can pick them out. You know, how cool is that? Whether it be your retirement home, your permanent residence, or your future retirement home, uh, there's a place for you at Portico. Make Portico your next move. All right, big news on the football side, NFL draft is going on, as you guys are aware. I think Emmanuel Forbes might have actually gone a little bit higher than we anticipated. I, I had one area scout from the Green Bay Packers that told me some time ago, if Emmanuel Forbes is there when they get a chance to pick, that he is going to stand on the table for them to take him. Now, of course, Packers uh, drafted 13th and didn't take him. But there on the 16th pick, Emmanuel Forbes is picked by the Washington Commanders. So he'll be there with Montez Sweat. Of course, Montez, uh, I guess, I don't, I don't recall the, the contract situation there. But, um, you, got, you know, Bulldog fans, my friend Craig Carter, he, the, the only Washington Commanders fan that I know in Mississippi, you know, back when in the Joe Theismann, John Riggins, Dexter Manley days, Daryl Green days, we had a bunch of Washington Redskins fans because we have a bunch of front runners in the state to just jump on whoever's winning. This is my team. But Emmanuel Forbes is in line for a huge, huge payday. And the thing that I'll tell you, too, about Forbes, uh, this is a guy, too, that's going to play for Ron Rivera, a guy that obviously has played played at the highest level, uh, played uh, for the Bears, uh, a guy that knows defense. And so the reality of it is, is that uh, he knows what Forbes has. He knows what Forbes brings to the table. And when you go back and look at all this stuff, too, uh, real quickly here, kind of looking back here at the draft, uh, I believe, if memory serves me correct, uh, Forbes is second corner taken. The first is Devin Weatherspoon from Illinois, who opted out of the bowl game against us. I had to remind some people of that last night. So the number two corner taken in the draft is Emmanuel Forbes. And I begin to think about what State has done in recent years at corner. Cameron Dantzler, 
Ends up being a third-round pick of the Vikings. He was recently released. Um, I can't seem like he signed with somebody. And, and Cam probably has a couple years left in the league. But I don't know that Cam is the athlete that Forbes and Martin Emerson are. Martin Emerson goes last year, goes early, goes to the Browns, has a really good year, and uh, will probably be in line for an extension here in the next year or so, provided he stays healthy. And now all of a sudden you get a first-rounder in Forbes and you start thinking – all right, Darcel McBath is doing a good deal here, right? Darcel McBath getting the most out of his guys. Now, give Terrell Buckley some credit for going out and, and signing those guys. But the reality of it is, is those guys have come in, they're signed on potential, and then drafted on production. And that's what happened with Emmanuel Forbes. And I'll be honest with you, I wasn't, I wasn't sold on Forbes as a high school junior. I think when I saw him, he was about 135, 140 pounds. And he was thinly framed. I'm thinking to myself, this kid's never going to be able to carry the weight required to play a physical brand of corner in a Southeastern Conference. Now he gets a first-round draft pick. So he, he's made a believer out of me. And as Ron Rivera said yesterday, he's a turnover machine. The guy has great awareness, great ball skills. And with that catch radius he has, if you get sloppy over there, he's going to pick it off. I'm eager to see how he does, but I'm so incredibly proud for him. There are a lot of people that have come through our program that are great ambassadors from Mississippi State. There are a few that are better than Emmanuel Forbes. This is a young man with a, from a great family, uh, very well-rounded, a guy that understands uh, what life is really about. He's not a guy that's going to go out and go buy a Bentley and go blow his money. He'll probably go buy a pickup truck and put some rims on it and jack it up a little bit and turn his cap, uh, put his camouflage cap on and feel good about life. Emmanuel Forbes is a Mississippi State success story. And we'll have some other guys drafted, but uh, you know, probably on day three. I don't know if we have anybody going a second round. But uh, running down the numbers here for you real quick, in, ca- in case you didn't keep up, a lot of these guys that got drafted yesterday we're very familiar with, including the first overall pick, Bryce Young. And you may have saw Matt Corral's tweet about that, uh, or Instagram post, whatever it was, it made the rounds. Uh, guys, Bryce Young is a better prospect than Matt Corral. There was a, Somebody brought that up on the message board saying Matt Corral uh, was better than Bryce Young. And uh, I'm just going to tell you, that's just not true. That, that's just not true. And the fact that the Carolina Panthers were willing to go out there and spend the first overall pick in the draft tells you that they don't think Matt Corral is their future. Now, Matt will get picked up by somebody. He's a talented athlete. He killed us, especially those last couple of years. But the reality of it is, is uh, his days in Carolina are probably numbered, and then going out and saying some things on social media that could be misconstrued, and maybe they're not misconstrued. Maybe they're just cryptic messages um, that aren't so well intended. Probably means they're going to move on from him. C.J. Stroud from Ohio State goes second to the Texans. The the uh, the Texans move right back up to the third pick. They trade with Arizona and take Will Anderson. So. Houston Texans fans probably feel like, hey, we're the early winners of this draft. Anthony Richardson from Florida goes fourth. I don't like the pick. I don't, I don't, I don't. Anthony Richardson is an, is an elite athlete. He is. His decision-making has been questionable at times. Uh, but this is a guy that uh, obviously he's a bit of a project. Maybe you bring in a veteran guy and you bring him along. But uh, I think – Maybe the Colts are a good fit for him. I just didn't have him going fourth overall. And we talked about Weatherspoon uh, going fifth to the Seahawks. Seattle always seems to have a good corner, don't they? 
Uh, Paris Johnson from Ohio State offensive tackle goes to the Cardinals. Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech to the Raiders. Uh, B. John Robinson, the first running back. You rarely see a first-round pick that ends up being a running back. Doesn't happen as much as it used to. Much different game these days. Um, but the Falcons take him early. A lot of people don't like the pick. They think you can get a quality running back later, and you probably, they're probably right. Uh, Jalen Carter from Georgia, an elite, an elite, elite defensive lineman. 6'3", 3'14". Uh, I've had some people recently compare him to Jeffrey Simmons, people that I know. I said, hey, he's that, that kind of athlete. Maybe he, maybe he is. So a good pick uh, for Philadelphia. Of course, that uh, you know Fletcher Cox restructured a deal to stay there in Philly. But it appears they've drafted what they believe is his replacement. Uh, Darnell Wright from Tennessee was drafted 10th. There was a lot of celebration, of course, uh, there at Lindsey Nelson Stadium last night when that news made the rounds. And congratulations to all of those folks. Uh, Peter Skaronsky from Northwestern. Offensive tackle goes to the Tennessee Titans. Jameer Gibbs, running back from Alabama, you may recall. Uh, former Georgia Tech Yellow Jacket transfers to Alabama, finds himself in the first round. Uh, Luke Van Ness, an edge from Iowa. Goes to Green Bay. Broderick Jones, offensive tackle from the University of Georgia, goes to the Pittsburgh Steelers, the most prestigious franchise of all time in the National Football League. Uh, Pittsburgh absolutely needed an edge protector. They have one. Uh, Will McDonald from Iowa State heads to the New York Jets. And, of course, Emmanuel Forbes, 16th of the, the commanders. Christian Gonzalez, a corner from Oregon, uh, comes off the board immediately following Forbes. Uh, there with the 17th pick, which uh, is always rather interesting, right? Because that's what happens. You think others fixing to be a run. Uh, Jack Campbell, uh, linebacker from Iowa. And how about the Hawkeyes with two top 20 picks headed to the Detroit Lions? Uh, Kalaje Kansi, defensive lineman from Pitt, headed to Tampa Bay. Uh, Jackson Smith, I'm not going to uh, – it, it's Nigerian. I'm going to mess it up. Njabe, maybe. I'm sorry. Wide receiver from Ohio State. Uh, head to Seattle, too. Seattle has some uh, legit wide receivers with DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, of course. Uh, and that's Pete Carroll, right? Shocking all offense. Uh, Quentin Johnson, wide receiver from TCU. Really impressed with what we saw with him last year in the postseason. That guy's really good. Uh, great catch radius. Takes ownership of the football when it's thrown in his direction. 6'3", 208. All the measurables are good. Uh, Zay Flowers, wide receiver from Boston College, headed to Baltimore Ravens. Look forward to seeing him lose a lot of games to the Pittsburgh Steelers in his career. Uh, Jordan Addison, we, we talk about slot receivers kind of back-to-back here. Jordan Addison headed to the Minnesota Vikings with a 23rd pick. Deontay Banks from Maryland, uh, 24. So a handful of corners go in the first round, and you're Emmanuel Forbes, the second guy taken. Dalton Kincaid, a tight end from Utah. That seems like a bit of a reach, to be quite honest with you, to take a tight end in the first round. It's not like he's Tony Gonzalez. Uh, Mozzie Smith, defensive lineman from Michigan, headed to Dallas. I know many of you have become uh, kind of bandwagon Dallas fans because of Dak Prescott. But uh, they need help defensively. They didn't have tremendous pass rush last year. They've got to get some help on the offensive line at some point in this draft. And probably need some help in the secondary. Anton Harrison, offensive tackle from Oklahoma, is headed to Jacksonville. Be teammates with Logan Cook. 
Miles Murphy from Clemson. When's the last time you've seen Clemson have a guy go this late? See, Steve, it's the first round. Yeah, but usually Clemson has a defender taken uh, fairly early. Uh, Brian Burris, defensive lineman from Clemson, back-to-back Tigers here going, uh, headed to the New Orleans Saints. And we have a lot of Saints fans listening to the show. Nolan Smith, one of my favorite players in this draft from the University of Georgia, headed to Philadelphia. So look at the, the Philadelphia Eagles that uh, played for a championship last year, showing up some uh, pass rush. And then Felix Anduke uh, Uzama from Kansas State is your 31 pick. Uh, 6'3", 255-pounder at Kansas City, the, the uh, Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs. All right, so that's your first round. And, of course, um, you know, they'll get to um, – get to the second round today. And then, of course, we'll have um, a busy day, I think, for the Bulldogs in many respects on uh, Saturday. I think that's when Cam Young goes. There are a handful of guys. We'll have a handful of guys that will be, be selected. But uh, So second, third round uh, this evening, and then four through seven tomorrow. And so I don't think you'll have anybody go today. Maybe. I don't think so, but maybe. I think we'll have a couple guys go tomorrow. I don't think it's going to be a, a huge draft for Mississippi State. But, um, you know, we've got some things to be proud of. And I think, again, that this was not an especially talented senior class for Mississippi State. And really what, you know, and uh, a lot of the talent on this team is a little bit younger. But I think Cam Young is a guy that kind of fits what they want. I remember Bob Shoup telling me during uh, his first year on campus, he said, Steve, Cameron Young is going to be the next great Mississippi State defensive line success story. A guy from small-town Mississippi that has good values, that understands work, has a blue-collar appeal. He's kind of a country-strong kid. He will come in here and embrace coaching and be an NFL guy. And uh, I think we're probably a day away from that becoming a reality. So I give Shoop a lot of credit uh, for identifying that. And, of course, you know, Cam Young was a guy, too. A lot of people uh, took a flyer on late. And Cam was so um, – you enamored with his own word. He had told, like, I think the coaches at Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College he was going to go down there and play. We had to beat off Gulf Coast Community College. Or beat out, excuse me. I want to have a Robbie Falk moment. Um, but the reality of it is is that, uh, you know, we've got some dudes that can play a little bit. And, uh, you know, we'll see how things progress. But uh, I don't expect to see a busy day today for State. Could be. Could see one guy sneak in, but I don't, I don't think so. And I tell you this, you know, it's interesting you know, a lot of people, I guess it's back-to-back years now that uh, Mel Kuyper's projected number one pick didn't get picked in the first round. Of course, it happened to Matt Corral last year. It happens to Will Levis this year. And, uh, I, again, the thing, you know, I, I think I'm a decent evaluator. Obviously, I'm not on the same level as the guys in the National Football League, but we all saw the same thing. And uh, we had this big discussion last summer. I kept telling everybody, like, oh, he's the number one pick in the draft. There's no way that guy's going to be the first pick in the draft. And he wasn't even taking the first round. And on the human side of that, you, you hate it for him, right? I mean, it's like he didn't invite himself to the draft. You know, he has an agent. He has a rep. People are speaking with NFL teams. And, you know, so he goes to the draft and he has to sit there. Can you imagine how awful last night's sleep was? Now, of course, he'll get drafted today. But the payday is much different than it would have been. So, I mean, you, you, you like to be right, but you hate that things went as bad as they did for the young man. I mean, that's just it's terrible. 
if you're a Steelers fan, I'll be, I'm looking at uh, Joey Porter here. Joey Porter Jr. Um, that's a guy, too, you'd love to have. But uh, not just because of the fact that uh, he's got connections to you. But uh, kind of looking down the list here, you would think they'd make this stuff so much easier to watch, easier to follow. They really don't. They don't make it as easy as it should be. With all that we have, all the technology that we have, we it ought to be easier to search this stuff the way you want it to be searched. But, uh, you know, Manuel Forbes, according to some people, they, they had him as a second-round grade. He goes in the first round. We always felt like it'd be first, maybe second round. But we knew that he wouldn't make it to day three. Uh, but really happy for him. But, you know, some names out there, obviously, that you know. Um, you know, Byron Young from Tennessee, that's a guy that will go today. like him a lot. Uh, and then Byron Young from Alabama. The pride of West Jones High School. He'll have an opportunity to go. Uh, Cedric Tillman from Tennessee, another guy that's projected to go here in the second round. Uh, you know, and th- here's the deal, too. There's going to be a run on Alabama players. Just because of the people, the fact that Alabama's become such a football factory, right? It'll be interesting to see what happens to Zach Evans from Ole Miss. Does he go today? I would say probably tomorrow. But that guy's a good player. He's had a lot of off-the-field issues, though. But that's a guy that'll be drafted, and uh, maybe one of the only Rebels drafted. Jonathan Mingo, I think, is a guy that probably goes maybe tomorrow. But uh, that's a guy too. Jonathan Mingo, good dude, man. He's just one of those guys that got. Um, Got bit by the injury bug a handful of times. And uh, he would have had a much better career. He'd been able to stay healthy. Nick Broker, of course, from Ole Miss. Uh, one of the top uh, offensive linemen in this draft. I said, maybe that's stretching a little bit, but he's a guy that will go uh, probably in the third round, maybe the fourth. We'll see how things go. I'm just flipping through here, just kind of seeing names that we know here of the available prospects. A bunch of, a bunch of guys from LSU. And, and that's what happens too, right? When it gets down to two people that are similarly situated, you take the one from the college program with the greater pedigree, right? Uh, Tyrus Weed is a guy too that I suspect will go tomorrow. Now, most of the uh, mocks have him going in the middle round. So I, I don't think that he's a guy that'll, that'll, that'll move up at all because he is a bit of a tweener. Uh, Cameron Young, again, expecting him to probably go tomorrow. He's a 6'3", 304-pounder. Senior guy, legit, will work hard. Uh, we'll go out there and do whatever you need him to do. Those are things you look at. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how things go beyond that. There may be some, you know, Bulldogs taken late, you know. Uh, again, looking through here, Otis Reese, outside of the top 300, he was the guy, too, that uh, highly recruited and had a couple of decent games at Ole Miss. You know, he was a guy, too, that uh, when, they, when they finally got him eligible, he kind of hit the ground running. Uh, Jack West Jones, former Ole Miss linebackers at Kentucky, a guy that was uh, set to commit to Mississippi State, and then things changed at the last minute. It's funny how those things happen in recruiting, right? Uh, he is a guy that's projected to go uh, tomorrow. But we'll see how things go. You know, uh, I'm just eager to see kind of what happens with the Bulldogs as we kind of move forward. Uh, but, you know, Ty Weed, Cam Young, we, we expect those guys, you know, to go. Jackie Matthews may be a guy that goes late, late. And we'll see how things progress with all that. But uh, that's the thing is when, when it boils down to the last couple rounds, it, it, you know, you, you just simply never know. You simply never know what 
how much influence an area scout has, what the needs of the team are. Do they take a guy just based on the best available player? Uh, so you may have some guys there that, that get some opportunities. But uh, there'll be a handful of guys that will go to camp as undrafted free agents. We'll update you on that as best we can. But that's going to do it for today. If you hadn't done so, go to dogpilebook.com. You can get most of my sports books there. Stark Villains out of, out of stock at the website. You have to buy that in stores. Uh, but Alpha Dogs, Flim Flam, and Dogpile. And uh, every Bulldog fan needs Dogpile. Everybody. Everybody. Mother's Day is coming up. Father's Day is coming up. Graduation's coming up. Uh, matter of fact, I signed a whole bunch of books. One of my one lady bought graduation gifts for a bunch of people, and I signed them for all these people. Uh, had to do that uh, for, for a local store. Uh, Blooms Oleander available through Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, BooksMillion.com. I'm leaning towards not renewing that printing agreement for next year. So if you want to buy that, you need to buy it sooner rather than later. That was a fun project while well, it lasted. Of course, I make my money back on it. But the reality of it is, is that these things don't last forever. Uh, Stark Villains gear available at StarkVillains.com. And if you're not a member of JeansPage.com, the Mississippi State affiliate for 247 Sports, what are you doing? What, what are you doing? Come be a part of our merry band of misfits over at JeansPage.com. All right, we'll be back on Monday, hopefully recapping a fun weekend for the Bulldogs. Again, I, I expect us to take one. I'd love to take two. I'm hoping we take two. I just don't feel like we're going to be able to string together 18 good innings of play in order to win on the road against a team town of, of Tennessee. But we'll see. That's the reason we play the ball games, right? Uh, and then we'll, of course, have a draft recap on Monday and uh, kind of bring you up to speed on kind of where we are and where things stand. Uh, but things are winding down, and uh, high school graduations will be here soon. I know college graduations will be here in a couple weeks. And uh, there's a lot to look forward to. And then we'll have the summer. And uh, next thing you know, it'll be football season. But uh, I'm eager for us to get to these next couple of weeks and win some ball games and hopefully extend this baseball season a little while, right? How much more fun is it when you've uh, got plenty of baseball to cheer for? You remember 21, that was the thing. Played all the way up at, you know, beginning of July 1st, and then uh, you turn around, next thing you know, we're in, in fall camp. That's nice. The dog days of summer can be rough. And I don't like a lot of uh, inactivity. I like us all to have a, a reason to gather. But again, that's it for today. We'll see you next time. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. 
you made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.